welcome to another episode of the Punt Return Podcast. We are already at week 14 of the 2020 NFL season. Four weeks ago, about 20 teams probably still alive with those extra playoff spots. So we're in the final countdown here. We sort the men out from the boys. Uh, I don't like that cliche, but I couldn't come up with anything else. Um, but Nick, welcome as my co-host. How are you feeling? Thanks, mate. Yeah, good. It's um, it's amazing that you say that with four weeks to go that there's there are twenty teams and they're running for playoff spots. It's um, yeah. I don't think I've seen. I don't, obviously, the, the extra the extra spot helps, but I've never seen. I don't think I've seen a season in, in a very long time where it's so even and anyone can beat anyone in the NFL. Yeah, and I think I think that's kind of been. I think that's your number one takeaway from last week. If we want to jump straight into that, uh, that's. That was pretty evident when we saw a lot of upsets, you know, the Giants beating Seattle, Washington beating Pittsburgh, and, you know, all sorts of the Jets nearly winning, all sorts of stuff like that. And it, it kind of feels that way. I don't know if COVID's been a, a, an equaliser, but I think maybe mm. the chaos and the madness of the season has put some of the better teams on the back foot in certain situations, potentially. Yeah, well, I think, you know, we've spoken a few times about the Steelers and, and how good they are, but I think... Um, you know they've they've had some luck along the way as as well. They've had a pretty decent schedule, um, and I'm not sure anyone really expected them to go through the season unbeaten. You know, it, it hasn't happened for a very long time for a start. But also that you know it, this is 2020, and there's so many variables that are you know flying up in the air at the moment that it's almost impossible to see a team you know during this season going unbeaten. And so it was only a matter of time, I, at least in my book, that um, the Steelers were going to be beaten. So that wasn't. Um, a huge surprise. I guess it was the manner of the the defeat for the Steelers, but there are some reasons for that as well. But yeah, I mean, I, I certainly didn't see the Giants beating Seattle. That was that was the big one for me last week. Yeah, I, I kind of did in hindsight. Uh, like it just, I don't know. The, the, the Seahawks have kind of been a bit funny the last few weeks, and I, we'll mm. talk about them when we look at their game because they're big, big favourites again against another New York team. But they've kind of just their offense has just been kind of taking small steps back. And it's funny because their defense is taking small steps forward. Um, so you, you've been waiting all year for their defense to show up to help their offense out. And now their defense has finally showed up and their offense isn't helping them out. And it's, it's kind of funny when you fix one something, you know, fix one problem, there's another hole in the boat and you're leaking <laughs> water a different way to, to use that analogy. I think um, it is kind of funny, but yeah, it's, it was a weird thing. You, you talk about the Giants, and I, I might start with my number two takeaway is that I think the Giants could actually be a really tricky playoff game for, for whoever will be the number five seed in the NFC. I mean, if the playoffs started today, the number five seed would head to the Meadowlands and, and face the Giants. And it's kind of a curious equation for the Rams, Seahawks, and Bucks, the three teams that could possibly sort of land that number five seed five seed all three teams have each played the Giants and they've all struggled to beat them the Rams won 17-9 in kind of a real grind fest and that's kind of when the, the Giants defense kind of showed up a little bit and started to make their strides the Bucks survived that kind of dog fight and won 25-23 and then we saw Seattle fall to them last week so I mean I didn't really understand the Joe Judge hire personally but they've kind of taken his personality and ethos and we laughed about some of the stuff that they did in the, the preseason in the training camp with with you know old school football stuff but they kind of have been that this year they, they scrap and claw and, and fight every week kind of no matter who's on their on their roster you've got Wayne Gorman outperforming Saquon Barkley you've got <laughs> Colt McCoy having his first win in like three years and then Alfred you've got Morris Alfred Morris scoring touchdowns in 20 fucking 20 <laughs> Alfred Morris scored two touchdowns in one game 
That is crazy. And then you've also got this defense where you still cannot name a single player. No. I know there is a couple of good players, Leonard Williams and, and Jace Redbury, but apart from them, like it's mostly just scraps. And I mean, uh, it's tough. And I don't want to be going in as a heavy road favorite against the Giants, like who may have a losing record in the playoffs. That is not a good spot for a team where you're expected to win and they're going to be a tough, tough team to beat. Yeah, absolutely, because they have nothing to lose. And, and, you know, things are coming good for them at the right time of the year. They're, you know, they've won four straight, I think, now. So, you know, a, a month ago, if, if you started talking, I remember, I think it was three weeks ago, you said that you were going to talk about the, the Giants making the playoffs or winning the division at 13 bucks or, or something like that. Yeah, I think that I think that was when we had James on. So yeah. halfway through the season, they were $13. I wish I listened to my own advice because I <laughs> forgot about it the next day and, and the games were on and, and it was gone. Yeah, it's just, I mean, it's its unthinkable that the Giants are, are going to win the, the NFC East. It's just, I mean, you, if you'd said that at the start of the season, we would have laughed at you. Yeah, I mean, but even their losses, like apart from getting blown out by the, the 49ers in week three and, and the Steelers in, in week one, a lot of their losses were one-score games as well. You know, they lost the Bears by a couple, the Cowboys by a couple, you know, the, the Bucks and, and Eagles and things like that. So, you know, even their losses have been tough, so... You know, it's it's there's no real signature win. I think Seahawks obviously Seahawks obviously is that signature win. They didn't have one before that, mm. um, for that win. But you know, if they can go on the road and beat the Ravens in a couple of weeks, and then maybe you know maybe we're sleeping on them a little bit too much. But I think we've done pretty well in in identifying them as as a uh, a sneaky decent team in in the playoffs. Yeah, I, th- I think there are a few teams like that 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 have the opportunity. Should they should they perform well over the next month that they yeah. could um they could be a bit of a trap opponent for yeah for a couple of times. Definitely. And then in the AFC I think you know this is probably my number way number one takeaway from last week was, you know, Money Mayfield is back. You know, he was in all the swagger and all the good and the glory and the you know he was doing the money signs <laughs> here and there. But um the Browns kind of needed him to stop being a game manager and become, you know, a dynamic passer and they mm. you know from from his rookie season and he kind of answered that call on on Sunday on Sunday with that historic first half where he threw four touchdowns um in the game which is the first time a Browns quarterback's done that since 1951 in Otto Graham. It's been a long 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 time and and after the game I, I found this particularly good and this is where I thought Mayfield's back now he's confident he quoted uh, Dwight Schrute from from The Office, one of my favorite shows, and he said, "Whenever I'm about to do something, I think to myself, would an idiot do that? And then I don't do that. So <laughs> uh, I think that was pretty cool from from Money Mayfield. But my my question is, do you think he's back for good, or was it just a flash in the pan against a really bad Titan defense, and and it was just one half? But it is it was hard to take away from a lot of his performances before that because they just played in so many windy, shitty weather games so it was really hard to take away a lot of those games and that's why their metrics are a little bit flawed here and there mm. a little yeah. bit but uh, and that's why we kind of like kind of like the browns and I, and I took them last week but um yeah it's i just don't know whether he can do it you know sustain a playoff run playing like that yeah it's a tough one because it's been so long since we've seen baker mayfield do that type of thing and and He's got the ability to do it. He just hasn't done it. And I don't know if it's a if it's a coaching thing and a play calling thing or if it's just, you know, maybe he's just not up to it at, at that level consistently. But I mean when you like you like you said, they needed him to be more than a game manager. And when you when you're drafting a QB at, at number one, you've got to you, you expect more than a game manager. 
Um, and he had to he had to pull out because the Cleveland defense, and I'll talk about that a little bit later on, but the Cleveland defense isn't going to win too many games on their own. And, and so they're kind of relying on the offense. And, and there's a lot of talent on that offense, uh, but they need a leader and they needed Mayfield to, to do something. And, and finally, he's pulled it out. And, uh, you know, if he can if he can keep that up for the next few weeks, then, you know, who knows what the Browns can do. There's still, a, still an outs, tiny chance that they can win the division, which is seems crazy it's when bizarre. the Steelers are undefeated. But, uh, yeah, there's still but a small chance. They need to run the and they table. can still not make the playoffs. So That's also a possibility. <laughs> um, so that, that's pretty crazy as well. Um, my final takeaway before we get to, to the rest of yours, Taysom Hill 3-0 now as a starter, which also means the Saints are 8-0 now without Drew Brees over the last two seasons. So I think... When you look at it, I know eight games is not a massive sample size, but I think looking at the way that Sean Payton calls his offense and, and watching Breeze um, a little bit, what, I, what does this mean for Breeze's future in the Big Easy? Because for me, it looks like this could be his last hurrah. Yeah, really tough one because I think I, I always had him pegged for one more year after this one, um, but it, it is a tough one. Like you said, eight and zip without him. Uh, last year was Teddy Bridgewater. This year, Taysom Hill. Um, I just, uh, I find it really hard to imagine the Saints going into the season with Taysom Hill as a as a quarterback. Um, so it's really interesting to to think about whether they, you know, if this is Breeze's last season, um, you know, what happens next season? Do they go out and find another quarterback? Do they commit to Taysom Hill as their starter, or do they, you know, go back to to Jameis Winston? who we all thought was going to be the kind of the number one backup and the the you know emergency guy for them should Breeze go down again. It's going to be interesting because the cap hit on Taysom Hill next season is $16 million. That mm. is a lot of money for your it backup is. quarterback. I know he does a, a lot of other things on offense, um, but he's also not young either. He's 31 years old himself. Um, so, you know, it's not like he's this sort of rookie QB. I mean, he's only got a couple of you know, starts under his belt, but... It's, yeah, I agree with you. It's hard to sort of talk yourself into Taysom Hill as a starter, but at the same time, for most of the offseason, you know, the Pats were preparing as if Jared Stidham was going to be their starter. And, I mean, he's mm. done less on an NFL field than Taysom Hill. Yeah. They're also not paying him $16 million. That's or, true. But, I mean, but, like, it's, yeah. I just I, – I can't, I can't fathom the New Orleans Saints, who are probably by the end of the year are going to have the – I mean, it's it's gone back and forth a few times this this year already, but they're all time um, touchdown passing leader. Record. Yep. Um, to to go to a quarterback who just doesn't throw the ball as much, and and mm. they're going to rely on legs and running the ball and trick plays, and it just doesn't yep. it doesn't compute with with Sean Payton as a as a full time starter. Yeah, I don't know, man. I feel like if he can win a if he can, I don't know, have a winning record with Taysom Hill as a starter, I, I feel like it makes Sean Payton's legacy look a little bit better. Uh, even though QB <laughs> wins is really pretty thing. good, but yeah, it is pretty good. But yeah, Drew Brees' cap hit next year is thirty six million as well. Oof. So that's that's a lot of money tied up for um, some decrepit and and gimmicky quarterbacks. Uh, in I, terms of I can't imagine them trading Taysom Hill though. Potentially, I mean, but who's tr- who's trading for Taysom <laughs> Hill? I, I don't know. It's yeah, it seems crazy. But anyway, um, that's enough out of my takeaways. We've we've already talked about one of yours, but uh, what's what's your What's your final takeaways from, from week 13? <laughs> I just thought the uh, the situation at the Jets on the weekend was just the most New York Jets thing that we've seen for a long time. And there's been a lot of New York Jets failures and, and uh, franchise humour to come out of there over the last few years. But Greg Williams, the martyr, 
you know, cause cause an, an unprecedented play from from ESPN stats and info. The Jets made an unprecedented play call to end their game versus the Raiders. There have been 252 pass plays meeting this criteria over the last 15 seasons. In the final 15 seconds, down between four and eight points and 40-plus yards to the end zone. And they were the first defense to send six or more pass rushes in that situation to end a game. Uh, It was just incredible to watch. And I don't blame him for doing it because it's the best thing to do for the franchise, and they fired him for it. Um, so, yeah, I, I just thought I mean, it was uh, an unbelievable New York Jets thing to do. Yeah. Um, I would actually, if he was a genuinely decent defensive coordinator that did that for the better of the team, I'd actually feel sorry for him being the martyr <laughs> here. But um, I have absolutely no sorrow in the world for, for Greg Williams. So, um, yeah, good I, riddance. I, I don't think he's done too badly in, in a team that hasn't had a lot of talent yeah. you know, over the last uh, few years. That, that What they've been able to do defensively is not bad. Yeah. So I think he's. I think he's okay. I think he's. He'll, and he'll get another job. He'll get another job. Um, he's unforgivable in my opinion from uh, Bounty Gate at this point. So <laughs> uh, I think on defense they easily lead the league in defensive penalties per game. So I mean, yeah, I don't know. Good, good call for the better of the franchise. I mean, what a wild afternoon for Trevor Lawrence for one stage with the Jets winning. It's bizarre, wasn't it? It looked like he was going to go to Jacksonville, but then Jacksonville were in overtime, so maybe it still could have been the Jets and then still ended up being the Jets. But, uh, yeah, I mean, did, was anyone worse than Greg Williams on uh, on Sunday? Mm, there was. There was something that was worse than Greg Williams <laughs> on Sunday. And I'm going to give this one a special, a special mention because it's something that you – you uh, highlight a lot on this show. Yeah. You mentioned the the Chargers special teams unit being poor every week. Yeah. This is a historically <laughs> bad special teams unit. There have been it's, only five teams that have had a special teams DVOA below minus 10%. And through 12 games, the Chargers sit with the second worst special teams DVOA since tracking began in 1985, which is unbelievable. This is, uh, this is unbelievable yeah. based on the amount of airtime that you've given it over the last two or three years on this show. Um, right now, the Chargers have the worst punt unit ever tracked by Football Outsiders. They're averaging 32 net yards per punt. The next worst is the Vikings at 34.8 net yards, and the league average is 40.5. This is historically bad in Los Angeles. It's amazing. It's it's terrible. And according to some advanced metri- metrics, it was the worst special teams performance of all time because, <laughs> I mean, it – it was quite unbelievable. So this was from a, a tweet from uh, Packer Analytics. So the Packers getting involved, um, and you'll you'll know why in a minute. But the Chargers special teams lost twenty three point three expected points yesterday. That's the most expected points lost in a game by a mile. So why are the Packers involved here? Well, the second place was Mason Crosby missing four field goals and an extra point, and that's the second most game, and that's a loss of sixteen point five points. So the gap between the second worst special teams performance of all time is actually closer to the 81st worst game in special teams expected points lost than it is to the first. So the gap between one and two is larger than the difference between two and 80 in worst special teams. That's how bad it was. It was historically bad. And they're they're now at minus 17.1% in DVOA and the Minnesota are 10 0.3%, 0.3%, minus 10.3%. So it's it's staggering how bad they are in special teams. And without a doubt, every single year. And they have never 
They fired the special teams coach, but they moved him into another department and then his understudy took over. So like they haven't even fixed the solution. It, it's just it's just it's a hamster running in a wheel uh, on fire, heading into I don't know like thumbtacks or something. I don't know what it is. It is just it's just horrendous how how uh, how bad it is, and they just cannot fix the issue. So uh, I can't yeah. wait to see the plethora of changes in in the charges because Justin Herbert they, they may have already ruined him. <laughs> It's, yeah, it's maybe a bit early for that, but it, it is yeah. amazing. And and I just had to when I read that during the week, I had to make that a, a special mention this week because it's yeah. um, one of those unbelievable things that you just don't expect yeah. to read all the time. They're so bad that I factored special teams into my ratings a couple of years ago just to to just on the off chance that it's going to cost games, and it, it does. It adds up, and it helped me, you know, be on the Ravens because the Ravens are always good on special teams every year. The the, the, the Patriots are always good on special teams, and it yeah. matters. Yeah. It matters when you're, the Dolphins when you're this dealing. Year. Yeah, it, when you're dealing with wins by one or two points, and it comes down to extra points and, and field goals and things like that, it's it, it matters. It been big punt returns. So, oh, anyway, um, speaking of coaches and charges and everything, uh, I've got to listen to a question here from at Smoky Ten. Can you shed any light on the actual role of a head coach in the NFL? I can find it hard to wrap my head around what they do in the absence of play calling, which seems to be the most important part. Nick, you want to start us off? Yeah, it's a really interesting one because I feel like in some franchises, the role of the head coach has decreased over the last kind of five to ten years, whereas in, in other franchises, it's, it's almost increased and the, the head coach mm. has become more, I guess, more of a like a soccer manager where they mm. manage, a, they, they manage the, the overall performance output of the, of the football team um, yep. on field and general manager does all the off-field stuff. The head coach does all the on-field stuff and, and manages that team. Um, whereas in, in some franchises, the, the head coach really delegates a, a whole lot of things to the coordinators and, and their coordinators and, and that sort of stuff and literally just calls plays on, on the mm-hmm. Sunday. And um, it, it's, it's a really interesting question because I think every franchise and every owner, team president, general manager, whatever, exactly values the role of a head coach differently. Yeah, and it also depends on what type of head coach you are. Like you might have a certain coach that does more of an operational side and they're not big on the play caller, but they're good on the locker room presence, um, building culture, building a roster in you know, the part, work close with the with your general managers and, and your and your drafters and your front office to to bring your teams and squads together and delegating sort of, you know, you having great coordinators and and, and all that sort of stuff. But then you also find that that person doesn't work. So then you go completely different and you get your Kyle Shanahan's and your X's and O's guys like Sean McVay. So there's all, all, all different parts, but I mean, ultimately and, and then you have, is the and, most important cut. Most and important then you, part and, and then you have guys like Bill Belichick who are building the death star just, in there. Uh, just does everything. Time. Mate <laughs> just does everything. The, the dude doesn't sleep. I mean, yeah, he had a dog drafting for him during the NFL draft. <laughs> you know, his Husky was working two laptops at once. I mean, I think the Eagles might hire the Eagles might hire the dog as the next general manager oh, not, and head the coach. line the Lions will that's that's their go to <laughs> is ex Patriots by so. right, I'll anyway, talk about uh, the Eagles later. Yeah, all right. Let's get into the results last week. Uh, you know what? I didn't like Las Vegas at all, and then I I don't know. I went back in on it, and then I feel I regretted it. I felt bad on Sunday that we locked that up, and I I felt sick. But anyway, they failed to cover six six and two on locks this season. 
Uh, I went one and two on my podcast plays last week, but overall, I think I had a pretty even week. The Browns helped me a little bit, and then Buffalo when that that line flipped on the weekend, um, that that really saved them. I'm not sure why that flipped, but the minute they got to plus two and a half, that was that was value for me. So um, I went pretty pretty good on that. So that sort of salvaged my week. So it's kind of a break even week for me after a really good sort of week twelve. But um, that's that's fine. It wasn't a losing week, so. But on the pot, obviously, you need to do a little bit better. But uh, we're still just hovering above 500 at the moment. So um, if people are following, appreciate you sticking around. If you're fading me over the last few weeks, you're probably doing pretty well. <laughs> yeah, because it's one of those things, isn't it? But uh, yeah, the Raiders, I mean, I haven't trusted the Raiders all season. Yeah, and, then and you finally buy in. Finally, finally buy in. I thought they had it. I thought it was a good spot for them, and, and they let us down. As they have I'm looking, so I'm looking many times. To John Gruden rant next week if, uh, <laughs> if they lose again. Yeah, I think I've, I think I've wasted enough breath on John Gruden. But, um, <laughs> yeah, look, I, I went two and one. It was an okay week. Blanked on the long shots, but that's all right. I mean, one of my best bets was a, a two dollar fifty shot on Kirk Cousins three hundred plus passing yards, which he which got up. So um, yeah, it was actually a pretty profitable weekend for me outside of the podcast as well. I mean, on the pod, I was leaning Washington. Um, at the the eight points, um, yeah. and had a little play at the line, had a little play on the money line as well. So that that made it a pretty good weekend for me. But uh, yeah, happy with that. Well done. Speaking of money, uh, John Gruden has made twenty nine point two million dollars in his in his uh, contract at the moment um, with the Raiders. So just sort of let you know about that. Eighty make more to feel, go. Make you feel better. Yep. All right, week fourteen. Let's jump straight into it here. No teams on the buy, so plenty of games to get through. We'll try and power through as best we can here. Uh, Thursday night football, New England at the Los Angeles Rams. Rams are five-point favourites at home here. The total is 45, and we've got a Super Bowl rematch from a couple of years ago. What's your thoughts on this one? Interesting. Yeah, it's a really intriguing matchup. And and the Patriots, after that, that first half of the season, the Patriots are officially back in the playoff hunt. I know it was only the Chargers last week. But that demolishment saw them increase their weighted DVOA points by nearly 10%. Two special teams touchdowns obviously help that number as the Pats have the number two ranked special teams unit in DVOA, and we've already spoken enough about special teams and how important that can be. But they did run the charges off their feet. Um, it's really amazing that a team can win 45 zip and the winning quarterback has a rating under 90, which is uh, it's hmm. amazing. It's incredible. He had 69 yards. Nice. It's, it's oh. amazing. <laughs> and they won by 45 points. Like, this is yeah. NFL in 2020. Um, but, you know, I, th- I think that this game comes down to who runs the ball more efficiently in, in this game. The Pats have the, the fourth-ranked rushing offense. They actually rank second for adjusted line yards, which ranks the effectiveness of an offensive line on the value and, and effectiveness of their team's running yards. The Rams have the number one rushing offense, according to DVOA, and coming up against the 27th ranked run defense. Uh, and I think that just about does it for me. The Rams have the ninth ranked run defense, so they're still pretty good in that in that area as well. Um, on total efficiency, LA ranked sixth in DVOA compared to New England at 21. On the body of work, both recent and season long, the Rams have been more efficient on both offense and defense and just more impressive overall. Um, I think that this line is a bit of an overreaction to the, the Pats pummeling the Chargers last week. I feel like this line should be a touchdown. I'm playing it that way. I know Jared Goff has been poor uh, for a lot of this year, but he looked to get back on track last week. He had 300-yard passing performance and a rating over 100 for the first time since week seven against Chicago. So I'm playing the Rams here. Yeah, it's interesting. It's, I keep coming back to the Pats and that fumble against Buffalo. I know there's a lot of teams that have had 
sort of losses like that where they could easily signal a play that's cost them a game, but it was just such a crucial game for them against the division rival. And when you consider that their remaining schedule after this game is all teams in their division, they kind of control their own destiny if they can run the table. But I mean, it could be the difference between them sort of being in the playoffs and not being in the playoffs is that sort of final minute fumble against Buffalo deep in their territory. So really, we'll really changes the, the, the way that that division looks. Exactly. It helps Buffalo in any tiebreaker against Miami as well. And that's the difference between sort of hosting a playoff game or or going on the road and and, and taking on, you know, the Chiefs or Steelers or, or, or whoever. So it is interesting, but for me, this line looks pretty spot on this week. There was a bit of early value last week with the Pats at six plus six and a half, but obviously that 45 mil drubbing of the charges destroyed that. And, Look, it's tempting to take the Patriots after that Belichickian takedown last week, especially when you sort of factor in that, you know, like this, his defense absolutely snuffed out this offense on the biggest stage in football less than two years ago. I mean, Belichick absolutely embarrassed McVay, and he admitted that in the press conference that he just got completely outcoached. I mean, no one is better at pulling an opponent's coach's pants down than Bill Belichick. And um, I think this. I think this defense can puzzle golf and, and keep things interesting in this game. But I think I keep coming back to the difference here is that this Rams defense is, is playing really inspired football and they've risen to three on weighted DVOA defense at the moment. They held a, a much better offense than the, the Patriots in the Cardinals offense to just 3.7 yards per play. And Kyler Murray was in the Gabbard zone with 4.4 yards per attempt uh, the Gabbard zone, thanks to uh, around the NFL for that phrase, um, famously made by Dan Hanses a couple of years ago. That, that's one of my favorites. Uh, but it's just like this defense, though, is just so well coached. And I think they should have no issues shutting down a, a very average Patriots offense here. So if I have to lean aside, I'd probably lean to the Rams, but I prefer the under 45 here because I do think Belichick can out coach McVay again in a big spot here on Thursday Night Football. Um, and I think it could be a very similar sort of game than the Super Bowl, a low-scoring sort of slugfest. And um, the Patriots have played four straight unders. The Rams' home games this year have all stayed under this season. Um, and strikingly, those unders have come by an average of 13.4 points. So I think it's going to be pretty conservative offensive from the, from the Pats and, and some, some puzzling plays on offense from the Rams with uh, Belichick confusing Jared Goff. So I like under 45 here. Don't mind it. I don't mind it. I think the the big difference, and obviously, I think everyone would agree that Belichick is the master coach, and and Sean McVay is not not anywhere near that level. Um, and you're right, he did embarrass McVay and the Rams in that Super Bowl game. But this is a very different Pats team, um, and I think that the Rams are getting back to the way that they played during that season, that regular season before that Super Bowl kind of destroyed them for for eighteen months, but. Um, yeah, I don't mind the undercore. Don't mind the undercore. Yeah, it is. It is a very different Pats team, obviously. But I mean, thirteen to three was the Super Bowl, and I mean, it was the most <laughs> boring Super Bowl I've ever watched. In my it was life, horrible. So it was that horrible. was terrible. So please, I like, I'd like a little bit more points in this. But if I don't have to sweat the under, then that's fine. I don't mind having a nap and, and waking up to some cash. <laughs> um, all right, Arizona minus one and a half at the Giants. Total is forty-five. We talked about the Giants before and we talked about the, the insane amount of teams still in playoff contention and surprisingly high amount of playoff stakes in in this game and this game in the San Fran versus Washington game kind of should be played at the same time almost or, or side mm. by side because there's so much on the line sort of congruently between all four of these teams because an Arizona loss opens the window for San Fran as a wildcard team 
And then a New York loss opens the door for the football team to win the East. So, I mean, the avenue here for, for betting might be sort of looking at NFC East futures or to make playoff futures. I'm not sure what that approach might be, just but from the outset, there could be some more value if there's a couple of lines that might be a little bit stale, not factoring in sort of who's favourite and, and, and things like that, even though they're both sort of games hovering at three and a half or less. But um, I've got no play in this one. The line looks spot on. I really need to see more from Kyler Murray now. Um, you can't blame last week on his shoulder injury. The offence looks quite anemic again, like the first few weeks where they, they were still putting up points, but it was very inefficient sort of per play basis. So, um, yeah, I'm going to pass. Yeah, I mean, like we said at the top of the show, Giants have won four straight. They lead the division in the, the NFC East. The Cardinals have now lost three straight, nearly out of the hunt in the NFC West unless they can they can pull this one out. It's a pretty unbelievable turn of events to where we were, you know, a month or, or five weeks ago. I'm tempted to take the cards here to bounce back because I think they've they've just purely got more talent on both sides of the ball than than the Giants. But I'm going to leave this one just on on recent form. It's just hard to play. Yep. Um, let's move on to uh, Dallas minus three and a half at Cincinnati. Total is forty two. Andy Dalton revenge game. Big red. Fine. Big red. <laughs> Uh, yeah, this is this is massive. But for me, like, I don't understand how the fuck the Cowboys are favourites over a field goal here on the road. Um, both these teams have pretty evenly matched on my ratings. I have, the, I think, I have the Cowboys slightly ahead of the Bengals. Yeah, but with home field advantage, I make this game pretty much a pick 'em. Um, and then you got to factor in that Greg the leg. He's he's broken. The, the leg's broken. He's cooked. One from four field goal attempts last week in a dome. It's just unacceptable. And, I mean, we just talked about how special teams matters. I mean, giving a team with a slightly better kicker in Randy Bullock, who's <laughs> big bone Randy's fucked us a few times this year. But, yeah, I'll take the Cincy plus three and a half, and I'll have a little dabble on the money line here um, with the Bengals kind of fired up to to uh, fight for their boy Joe Burrow and say, Andy Dalton, we didn't, we didn't need you. So <laughs> let's go. Yeah, I don't mind. I, I completely agree with the, the concept and, and the theory. I just I, I can't have a play. I, I just don't trust either of these teams or mistrust them enough to play against them or to, or trust them enough to play with them. Um, so I'm going to pass. But for what worth, Stats Insider has a huge green smiley on Cincinnati against the spread, a 9% green smiley edge. So there's some value there. How's the uh, Stats Insider model go- been going lately? I haven't really checked on the, the results front for the, the green so smileys. It, the NFL, the American football, NFL and college football are always really solid, especially those yeah. green ones. There are people that, that have made a lot of money just playing those green smileys. Okay. Beauty. Uh, all right, let's move on to Houston minus one, another meaningless game. Houston minus one at Chicago. <laughs> Total is 45. Here, I think uh, this is a, a big game for Ryan Pace, who will be praying that his defense kind of embarrasses Deshaun Watson here after he passed on him for Mitch Trubisky in the in the NFL draft. But um, I think Watson will undoubtedly remind him of, of that mistake and, and will put up some points um, against the Chicago defense that's kind of slipped of late. 71 points now in the last two weeks they've allowed. I know that's only a tiny sample size, but uh, they've also surrendered an average of 28 points per game during their six-game losing streak. So, you know, they've... They're not as stout, and I think it's because they're just getting more and more frustrated with their offense because they just keep having to surrender short fields and, and quick three and outs. They're not getting enough breaks. I think it's just had its wear on wear and tear of them after such a long season where they've kept them in so many games, but they're just getting no help on the offense. But over the last couple of weeks, the, the, 
the Bears' offense has actually, despite their Trubisky-sized flaws, have managed to at least get some scoring drives going. And um, I think they should be able to put up some points against Houston here, who's 27th in, in DVOA defense themselves. Um, so I like the over 45 here. I know an over with the Bears game isn't always ideal, but I think Houston should score points. Chicago should score points. It's a pretty low total in, in the 2020 uh, NFL. Yeah, they kind of started on both sides of the ball last week against your boys, Josh, Houston. Um, it's a weird strong, second half, that game. Very strange, very strange. And that yeah. was a horrible snap to uh, to Watson at the end yep. there. But, uh what can you do? Um, it's a different story. I mean, if they if they probably score there or win that game, they were first in goal or whatever. I mean, this is probably minus yeah. three. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was that was Deshaun Watson's first game this season without a touchdown pass, and it just showed just how important Will Fuller is to the Texans' red zone offense and and in general. I mean, in eleven games, he's got eight hundred eighty yards and eight touchdowns. Um, he, he's super important to that Texans' offense and and to Deshaun Watson. Um, in scoring opportunities since DeAndre Hopkins was moved in the offseason. We've spoken enough about that. I don't think we need to touch on that anymore. But we know Deshaun Watson is a freak. Even without that number one guy last week, he still generated 341 passing yards. Kiki Cootie and Chad Hansen had over 100 receiving yards. But they just couldn't couldn't put scores on the board. And, and I think that this Chicago defense is another tough matchup. I know that they're coming off six straight losses. I, I know that this has been a really tough second half of the season for Chicago off, you know, what was a promising, if not overly defensive and anemically offensive first half of the season. But I think that Chicago bounced back here. I'm, I'm having a little play on the, the line and uh, Chicago money line as well. Head to head. Yeah, I like it. Uh a kind of, uh, I need to mention as well, that the last three games, Houston and Chicago, both in the top half of the league in um, red zone touchdowns per game in terms of getting in the red zone and converting them into touchdowns. So that's uh, positive vibes for the overs. Just on, you mentioned Chad Hansen. I watched him play in Sydney in the college football game and uh, <laughs> spoke to him after the game. Should be called Chad Hansen because stunning dude. Just a very, very good looking guy. Uh, great jawline. Um, so, I mean, everyone wants to make the Hanson umbop joke, but I mean, going to go a different route there with, with, with the old Chad. Uh, it's just a shame his first name's Chad. Um, that just, took a turn that I was not expecting. Yeah, you yeah. always, yeah. always turns with me on a th- late Thursday night, mate. Keep, keep uh, me right. on my toes. I am Kansas City minus seven. I called an, I called an audible there and just threw you <laughs> off. But uh, Kansas City minus seven at, at, uh, Miami here. Total is 49. And a half. This is a, a clear no play for me. The line's pretty spot on. Chiefs, Chiefs continue to just kind of play down to their opponent's level and they're just in cruise control, I think, heading into the playoffs, especially like they're not even trying and they've got the one seed at the moment thanks to the Steelers dropping games to bums. So, you know, it's it makes it hard to sort of take them here, but I really need to see more from the Miami offense because you know, their defense has been good. A lot of their value on their defense has been from sort of takeaways and, and turnover and turnovers, which is great, but they're also very lucky and stuff that can easily not go in your, your favor. So it, you can regress quite quickly there when you rely on a heavy sort of turnover and takeaways. Um, but that's just something Mahomes doesn't do as well. He just doesn't throw interceptions and, and, and turn the ball over. So, you know, that's going to give Miami need to, score off their possessions because they're going to probably have one or two less possessions than they're used to having because they may they may not get those turnovers. So if I had to pick a side, it'd be Kansas City, but 
Um, they, yeah, they're just kind of in cruise control at the moment. Yeah, I, I agree. And it's, it's an interesting one because you mentioned that, that we need to see more from the Miami offense. Um, we know that that Tua is not, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick kind of quarterback where he's just going to throw the lights out of the ball every chance he gets um, and, and can put up 30 points in a half. But um, he also hasn't thrown a pick yet in his short NFL career, but that's, you know, he takes care of the ball. Um, but that kind of leads into into my next point, and this might come back to bite me. It, it is a very dangerous call, but both of these teams, they're they are both above average defences against the pass. Miami are number six against the pass uh, this season. In Miami home games, the over has hit two out of six games. In Kansas City away games, the over has hit in just two out of six games again. So I'm thinking this might be a low scoring game in a, in a Chiefs game. I know that's difficult to, to wrap your head around. Sandman. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm having a small play on, on the under, under 49 and a half. And I've also had a small play on a, on another market, a secondary market, either team under 10.5, um, which you can get for close to even money as well. So is that a, a winning, winning margin or either team to, to... Yeah, winning margin. Winning margin. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Either team by sure under ten and a half. Yep. Yep. Beauty. Yep. Perfect. I wasn't sure if you meant either team to score under ten and a half points. Which gotcha. No, no either team yeah. to win by well, under ten and a half. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is still a chance, but um, yeah, it's not a bad yeah, chance. I just think that, that, like you said, the Chiefs are kind of in cruise control. They don't have to. They don't have to go lights out. Um, yeah. And Miami, are, yeah. Miami are pretty decent on defense. Yeah. The the, uh, the Chiefs are only going to run up a score unless if they have like a like a division opponent or a former playoff team or, or someone that's done them dirty. Really, I feel I feel like <laughs> it sounds like very narrative central, but it's just like I feel like they don't care about covering spreads. They'll just get the win and just roll on onto the playoffs. And I feel like it just feels inevitable at this point that they're just going to win the Super Bowl. But yeah, anyway, yeah. we'll see how we go. Uh, Denver at Carolina. Carolina three and a half point favorites. At home, total is forty six and a half. Uh, any thoughts on this? No, nah, I've got nothing for this one. There's just there's a few question marks around personnel, and yeah, uh, exactly. I'm just not just not really interested in it to be honest. No, it is. It's a mostly meaningless game. Both teams sort of in the, the ten or twelve that are out of playoff contention, and a, a lot of this, a lot of the books are down with this one because of personnel issues, as you said, with COVID concerns in the in the Carolina sort of wash, uh, wide receiver room with uh, DJ Moore and, and Curtis Samuel. Um, on the COVID list at the moment. So whether or not they suit up, I, I think I'll still take the Broncos at anything over plus three. So I want that extra hook. Um, I have these teams mostly even, and I think they can make some some stops here. That They've played pretty well on defense despite who they have on, in their lineup. They're, they're very well coached defensively. And, um, you know, despite some obviously shit throws from Drew Locke from time to time, the offense still has enough pieces. I mean, Tim Patrick, what about that guy just showing up? You know, they, they've got... Courtland Sutton on on IR, and you've got Tim Patrick, Noah Fent, Jerry Judy just showing up in big spots and, and are playing well despite average quarterback play. So I think they've still got enough points in them to keep this close. So I lean Denver plus three and a half, but yeah, it's tough with, with a lot of these games towards the end of the season when there's not a lot of uh, sort of morale for, from certain teams. Mm. No, it's fair. Uh, Minnesota, this game definitely has some bite. Uh, Minnesota at Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay, six-and-a-half-point favourites at home. The total is 51-and-a-half. What's your thoughts on this one? 
Yes, not a lot of analysis here. It's more of a gut check than anything else. I just really don't rate the Vikings. I think the Bucks are coming off two tough losses. They've had quality opponents in the Rams and the Chiefs before their bye, and the Vikings have kind of only just ground out two really difficult wins against the Panthers and the Jags. So it's not not a whole lot to write home about. Um, I just I just feel like Tom Brady, Tampa Bay, Bruce Arians, they just need to keep winning to to keep that wild card spot because they're only a win at ahead of the kind of the bubble in that conference. And I think that they do that on both sides of the ball in this game. I think offensively they're better than Minnesota. I think defensively they're better than Minnesota. And, and I think they put it together in this one and, and uh, over the next few weeks to uh, to make sure of that playoff spot. And just as an aside, not that it actually means anything. I mean, we know that the trends are not, you know, predictors of, of anything, but Something to keep in mind, Minnesota are three and one against the spread as away underdogs in twenty twenty. The Bucks are one and three as home favorites against the spread in twenty twenty. So there you go. Interesting. It it's kind of weird, but like somehow the overtime win against Mike Glennon and the and the one win Jacksonville Jaguars put <laughs> the Vikings in playoff contention. They they're currently in if so, the season ended today. It's it's really weird, but if they want to prove they belong in the in the playoffs, then they'll probably have to likely beat the number five seed in, in, in Tampa Bay and, and keep Arizona and the 49ers at bay and, and stop them from leapfrogging them. This line looks pretty spot on for me, though. I have the Bucks minus six and a half here. You'd have to imagine that Bruce Arians, Brian Lefwich, and Tom Brady spent their bye week sort of working on the offensive play calling, but I'm not sure if that's going to help sort of Tom Brady's arm because that deep ball accuracy is, is gone. So it's interesting. I can't really get a read on Minnesota. I like them going into the season. They've underwhelmed me mostly, but they're still hanging around. It's a horrible matchup for them, though, with their offense here against the Tampa Bay's number one rated rush defense in DVOA. So Cousins kind of needs to go ham here to to give them a chance. And I think if you are a believer in the Bucks and they do somehow lose this game, it's I, I wouldn't fret too much because their final run home is is Falcons twice and the Lions. So they've got a pretty pretty good schedule to get their offense firing if they don't fire here against the Vikings. But um, I don't. Don't think the Vikings defense is particularly good, so it is interesting. And I just want to mention Tom Brady. Um, there was a story last week; somehow missed mm. it. But uh, his uh, company, TB12, got a, a million dollar uh, federal grant during COVID to, for small businesses. Um, just a reminder that uh, a lot of actual small businesses didn't get the loan, and Tom Brady's net worth is about two hundred million dollars. So I think um, I read that. I think I read that fifty eight percent of small businesses that applied for that loan didn't get it. Yeah, so, and he also bought a yacht, uh, a super yeah. yacht. Um, so, I mean, just human garbage for, for me. Just never well, been a net... TV fan, but this just, just more and more things just come out for me. Just this, What's, what's just their net worth, you reckon? Like the, the, the Brady family and the Brady business. Yeah, I think, what do you that's, that... I think, that, I think that factors in Giselle as well. So, yeah, I mean, so what do you reckon just... that net worth is? Oh, it's staggering. I mean, yeah. could He could, he could literally set fire to... A, to a money quilt every night and still, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty, pretty nuts. But anyway, just, a I'm Christmas, just scrapbooking, a I'm Christmas scrapbooking miracle all the stories with Tom Brady as Scrooge. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'd watch that. I'm not a huge Christmas movie guy, <laughs> but I'd watch that. Um, all right. Let's, uh, let's move on to some more likable quarterbacks here in Ryan Tannehill and, and Mike Lennon. <laughs> I say that sort of slyly. I'm not really sure. Um, but uh, yeah. Ryan Tennell's got a little bit more firepower at the moment, uh, pun intended. Uh, Tennessee, minus seven and a half at Jacksonville. Total is 52 and a half. 
This one's interesting. The Jags are four and thirteen straight up against divisional opponents in their last seventeen games, but surprisingly four and one against the spread in their last five games against divisional opponents. They've lost four of their last five by only four points or less. And despite sort of not much talent at all, the team's fighting a lot. And I think their young talent deserves a ton of credit for that. And I think they've done a pretty good job um, given the circumstances that they're still fighting, but still managing to lose games and put them in that position to get a quarterback or potentially get Trevor Lawrence. But it's really hard to see the Jags sort of ripping the Titans a new one like the Browns did in the first half last week. But it's also really hard to picture the Jags defense having continued success in making stops against Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry like they did for patches last week against the Vikings. But divisional games are always really different beasts and we've seen stranger things in the NFL for me. So I'm going to pass, but I might have a sneaky little look at the Jags money line if it gets above $4. Just um, the last couple of weeks I've been on the Jags money line and they've just come agonizingly close to wins. And it's like, I feel like they're close to a win. I've just got to pick my spot here and, and get it right. Yeah, I'm I'm torn with this one because the numbers and I mean just the talent level on on both of these rosters say that the Titans should destroy the Jags this week. But Jacksonville have, like you said, they've only been blown out, you know, a loss by more than one touchdown just once in yeah. their last five, which included games against some pretty decent offenses in the likes of the Vikings, the Browns, the Texans, and the Packers. Um, mm. So you can kind of while while they haven't been winning games, and you, you still can't count them out in that regard. The Jags have allowed a 100-plus yard receiver and or a 100-yard runner in nine out of 12 games so far. And, and I think in six of them, they've had both a 100-yard receiver and a 100-yard runner against them. Uh, so keep an eye on some of those Titans offensive props. But looking just this afternoon, tonight, Thursday evening, Australian Eastern, there wasn't any value around for Ryan Tannehill or, or Derek Henry or, or anything like that. And the receiver props weren't out yet for this game. So... My gut says go with the Titans just because they do it equally as well in the air as on the ground. But at seven and a half, I'm, I'm reluctant. I prefer the flat seven just to include the possibility of, of that push. So keep an eye on it. If it goes out any further, it's no play, but I'm leaning Tennessee at seven and a half. The amount of times I take a team minus seven and a half and they'll miss an extra, or even the flat mm. seven, they miss an extra point, does my head in. Yeah, it's frustrating, isn't it? It is very. Um, all right, let's move on to Indianapolis minus three on the road at Las Vegas. The total is 51 and a half. Uh, thoughts on this one? No, I'm done with the Raiders. Move on. <laughs> um, look, I know the Raiders have been putrid the last couple of weeks, but I just don't have any confidence in the Colts right now who probably shouldn't be road favorites of three points um, against a, a team that's in playoff contention here, rightly or wrongly so for the Raiders. But the Colts are down to their third string left tackle after losing their uh, their backup early in the game last week. So they've got Chaz Green starting at left tackle. Philip Rivers is clearly bothered by that foot injury. So that's definitely a factor for me on their offense. Um, they scored zero points in the second half against the Texans, um, which is very concerning for me. Um, and if it weren't for that bobbled snap, I think the Colts probably lose to the Texans. Um, because I just didn't really have faith in in the offense and going the length of the field if they were down one to even or even to get into field goal range. I'm not quite mm-hmm. sure. Trent Brown's back for the Raiders as well, which is just massive for them against the Colts front that looked stellar last week with Buckner and, and Danico Autry back in the lineup. It's crazy how much difference they make. The interior pressure is underrated in the NFL still. I mean, Aaron Donald is amazing. You know, Grady Jarrett was huge in the, in their Super Bowl. 
the Falcons. So it's just massive how much that helps the line. But yeah, I've got this pick and so I'm taking the Raiders money line. I'm taking the Raiders plus three here. I think uh, I think they get back on track and and Indy potentially could be the team that pops drops out of the playoffs. Unfortunately, Ooh. I just I just don't know. Huge, it's huge call, brutal. But this Rivers injury is is concerning at the moment, and their schedule isn't isn't fun. They're still going to play the Texans again. They're still going to play the Steelers. And then, as we said, the Jags have been a sneaky, tough team, and they beat them in week one. So, who knows? They could bookend their seasons with wins over the Colts. Can you imagine the Jags going 2-14 and 14 and their, their two wins are against the Colts? That would be, be like the nail in the coffin happen. for Colts fans, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would, uh, yeah I would be very deeply, truly upset. But uh, let's yeah, this is kind of an emotional hedge too, maybe. So, I mean, a Colts win by one or two would be just perfect. That's that's the money zone right there. It's the perfect middle. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, let's go. New York Jets at Seattle. Seattle, 13.5-point favorites at home. Total is 46.5. What have you got? I just think this line is, is too long for a, a team like Seattle that has a below-average defensive unit and, and a team like the Jets that just keep, like, they're no good, but they just keep grinding. They they tend to keep things tight. Um, it's a pass for me, but I will play the Jets at plus 14 if it gets there. I just think that the line is too big at, at, for, for Seattle. Mm, I don't know if it gets there. I feel like they're tempting. tempting. I feel like books want you to take Seattle under the under the plus <laughs> 14 there. I'm on the Jets plus 13 and a half here. I don't love it. But um, I'm also going to take the money line as my long shot this week. I think if Seattle can drop a game at home to the Giants, then why not the Jets? You know, obviously the Jets are way worse than the Giants. <laughs> we, we pretty much established that atop the show. But I think the Jets' defense has the old addition by subtraction in losing Greg Williams, who sucks, by the way. And they gave up way too many penalties on defense, and and they really do take their toll. I mean, there's so many times. I think even on special teams, they had roughing the kicker so many times. Just just a lot of dumb shit with Greg Williams. Um, not bounty gate level dumb shit, but close. Um, and I think Pete Carroll's response to their struggling offense is killing me. Of late, it's just that it's to run the ball more. Like, has he learned nothing? Has he learned a single thing uh, from the first half of the season? You need to you need to let Russ cook here. And I think you know running the ball more here is just the exact opposite of what you want to do here. So if they're going to do that a lot, then I think the Jets are. Or a chance because stopping the runs, the the only thing the Jets do well. But if if Petey lets lets Russ cook, then obviously they probably could cover and, and could easily win by 20, 30 points. But um, if they don't, I feel like you could see another sub sort of twenty point performance from the Seahawks again. And and if that's the case, then I give I give the Jets a chance, a small chance. He's taken the MVP out of uh, out of Russ's pockets, I reckon. He's forcing forcing Chris Carson, forcing Carlos Hyde. Like it's it's crazy what's happened in the last six weeks in Seattle. Right now, over under half a vote MVP vote for Russell Wilson. How many? Are you taking the over or the under? No, he's again another year, no vote. Yeah, I feel like that's the case. Unfortunately. Uh, all right, let's go to uh, Atlanta minus two and a half at the Chargers. The total is forty nine and a half. Nick, I've been waiting for this game. <laughs> <laughs> for, for a month it's the game of the week baby it's the disappointment bowl it's the blow it bowl it's the whatever you want to call it bowl these are two every year that, every year yeah. one game that, that gets the disappointment bowl moniker and i reckon this is yeah. this is it this is it mate these two teams have all the ability in the world but are just absolutely fucking clueless 
on how to win a fucking game and how to close out a game. And this is, this is it. And clearly the value here is the dog. I mean, hmm. uh, there's so much was brought in that they can't possibly be as bad as they were on special teams two weeks in a row. They're back, yeah, back at home here. Um, if it gets to plus three, yes, I'm all over the charges plus three at home here. This is totally different. I mean, yeah, I feel like this is just way too overreaction to the 45 nil. Uh, thrashing last week so it's a good bounce back spot for for the Chargers but yeah I'm all in on this game I cannot wait it's just going to be it's going to be fucking crazy something something crazy is going to happen in this game I can tell you right now (laughs) you're right I I don't think that there are more frustrating franchises in the NFL this season than than Atlanta and the Chargers Um, last week was the first time all year that Justin Herbert a rookie quarterback has been held touchdownless last week against the Patriots defense um He'll bounce back this week. That won't happen again. That's that's for sure. Uh, but I agree. If that gets out to plus three, then I'm all over that. But uh, it's a it's a pass at the two and a half. I mean, Falcons score a touchdown when you're in the red zone. For fuck's sake, <laughs> you have Julio Jones, it's simple, Calvary, isn't it? Matt Ryan. I mean, uh, Julio Jones doesn't score touchdowns. Dirk Cutter, unbelievably, like hopeless, like just. Oh, it is amazing. Boy, it's amazing boy. what's happened to that offense. Since you know, Matty Ice's yeah. MVP. If you're a red zone, if if you're an offensive coordinator, your priority should be played in the red zone. That's your job is Absolutely. literally to score touchdowns and call players to score touchdowns. With that amount of talent as well. Like unbelievable. <sighs> yeah, it is. It's nuts. All right. Green Bay at Detroit. Detroit, uh, sorry, not Detroit, seven and a half. Green Bay are seven and a half point favorites. <laughs> at, on the road here, total is fifty five and a half. What have you got? Well, you and Dane picked it last week. Detroit had their uh, their fired coach game, and I think that this this week we get back to normal programming. Um, an interesting stat that I found earlier today, Green Bay haven't won by more than seven points in any of the last five meetings in Detroit, and I think that that probably changes this week. It's a classic letdown for the Lions after coming back from a double-digit deficit last week, and no offence to the Chicago Bears, or maybe that is offensive to the Chicago Bears because they've got an absolutely anemic offence, but even they put up 30 on the Lions Last week, and the Packers. I mean, it's just a different, different class to to Chicago on on offense. Way too much firepower for the Lions. The worst ranked defense in the NFL, according to Football Outsiders DVOA. Bottom three against both the run and the pass. Um, all over the the Packers here, and maybe it's a trap, but I can't help it. Yeah, it is interesting. You look at the DVOA. Kansas City's just weighted DVO thirty three percent and then there's a five percent gap to, to Green Bay twenty eight and a half percent and then there's an even bigger gap between Green Bay to third place Tennessee. So they're just in a tier of their own, these two mm. these two teams, offensive juggernauts. So um your stat about Green Bay not winning by more than seven is kind of I know I'm not really a, a, a huge trend guys. I just find them little I just find them interesting. Mm. Um, but it's also a kind of a I only, only mention it because that's the line at seven and a half. So exactly, and that's um, kind of why I, I, I have it exactly mm. at seven and a half. So it's a no play for me. But I've got a, a more interesting stat than yours: that the twenty twenty Detroit Lions are undefeated without Matthew Edward fucking Patricia. <laughs> so um, that's a hundred percent. So that's they've never lost without him in twenty twenty. There you go. So I mean, that's definitely it's pretty good. Um, but look, I don't know if that's going to continue here. I think it's a big jump in class, but the, the back door might be open a little bit here. So that's probably why I'll, uh, yeah, I'll get rid of it. And yeah, Rogers, as we said, the, the two top two DVLA offenses by a mile. So it's firmly a two horse race here in the MVP. Do, so Rogers, rightly so. Do you think that Detroit have an avenue to score? Uh, I know that the Packers defense is not great and there's generally always the back door open in, in Green Bay, but 
uh, I just don't know if there's enough enough there to to put up points. Mm, the the running game. I think DeAndre Swift's back. Their run defense is particularly horrid. I know you don't really mm. run when you're down, but uh, Mike Patton is an obvious weakness for the Packers at this point. He's <laughs> there. I don't know. It's. I know it's it's kind of funny. Matthew Stafford's never out of it. I mean, that's just for me. It's just poor Matt Stafford, free Matt Stafford. Finally, <laughs> said he's not sure about his future in Detroit a couple of weeks back. So that's something to monitor this off season. Um, all right, let's let's move on to uh, a more interesting quarterback uh, situation mm. here. New Orleans minus seven at Philly. The total is forty four. I'll go first before I palm it off to you, mate. This is yep. clearly a pass from me. The Saints are good. The Eagles are not. I've got no idea what Jalen Hurts will be. I need to see more than one or two drives. Um, I think this will probably be like an ugly outdoor weathery game where Taysom looks kind of rubbish and it'll be just in time for for Breeze to come back next week. And it's an obvious look-ahead spot for a potential Super Bowl preview here against the Chiefs next week for for the Saints. So I've got this Saints minus eight. It's not really enough value with a sort of a genuine unknown at quarterback for the Eagles here. So I'm just going to pass and avoid the whole situation. It's, but I pass it over to you, mate. About, <laughs> let's, let's talk about Carson washed uh, look, or went, uh, whatever you want to call him. Uh, in, in previous years, I, I've tended not to talk a lot about the Eagles and I found myself talking a lot about the Eagles this year, um, which is shithouse because the Eagles have been shithouse. But Jalen Hurts' time, I mean, it's – Perfect timing, isn't it? Because Carson Wentz's massive contract extension is about to kick in next season. This Eagles franchise is a rabble. Howie Roseman, Doug Peterson need to go. Because when you pay a quarterback that sort of money, you are absolutely derelict in your duty if you don't do everything in your power to ensure that that quarterback succeeds. You have to protect him with a decent offensive line. You have to surround him with offensive talent. And last but not least, when he's struggling, at, at the most when he's struggling, call some run plays and keep him protected from getting hit snap after snap after snap. Miles Sanders is a guy that they can build an offense around. He's averaging 5.3 yards per carry on the season. In the last two weeks, he's had a total of 16 carries, 16 carries for a guy who's your number one running back when your quarterback is struggling. Six out of nine games this season, he's had under 15 carries, which is astonishing when you look at the offensive struggles that this Eagles team have had this season. And Carson Wentz just keeps getting hit sack after sack after sack, snap after snap, because he holds the ball too long with nobody to throw to and an offensive line that's held together by blue tack and gaffer tape that can't protect him. In 12 weeks, Philadelphia has started 11 different combinations on the offensive line due to injury. Um, and just in a long history of disappointing Philadelphia Eagles seasons, 2020 is right up there with the most disappointing of them all. And I just have one thing to say to the Eagles, and that's get the fuck out of here. Let's just call the season. Let's build around Carson in the off-season. Fire the general manager, fire the coach, start fresh. Let's do it again. If you're just tuning into the podcast, this is not Philadelphia Sports Talk Radio. <laughs> this is uh, Melbourne's own Nick Splitter, um, just on the couch, letting I'm it getting my Getting my Santa sack of batteries ready for my next, um, my next trip to the link. If you want to see the opposite of the Mona Lisa in all her beauty, just go to spotrack.com type in Carson Wentz and, and look at this contract because it is ugly. I'm is telling you, ugly. it is disgusting because to get rid of that contract, if they're going to trade him, you're going to have to throw in some picks of your own because I don't think mm-hmm. too many teams are going to be signing up to to this type of cap hit or the Eagles potentially. 
um, having to dump a lot of their, their salary cap on this contract. So it's going to be a massive, messy, messy off season. Um, but the maybe Eagles, Carson just the, needs a break. Maybe it's just maybe yeah. all these changes on offensive line have just broken him a little bit. Yeah. I, look, I mean, the, the franchise didn't want to take the cap hit on Alshon Jeffrey. So I can't see them wanting to take a $30 million or $50 million cap hit on Carson Wentz. I think that he's there for at least another year and probably two to three years, if you know, even if things don't turn around. But um, I just don't think you know, Jalen Hurts could barely win the quarterback position in college. So he's talented. He's certainly got talent. But yeah. I just don't think he's a franchise guy at NFL level. What's Nick Splitter going to be like next week if, if Jalen Hurts just plays like Justin Herbert? Very confused. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I'm trying to work out what the best possible result is for this game, for the uh, for the podcast. For this game or this podcast, yeah, yeah that's right. Just, just in general, just for my entertainment more so. I'm being very well, It's one of those things because uh, a couple of years ago, you know, went struggled in the first half of the season, Foles came in and went 4-1. Um, yeah. yeah, it was a wake-up call, maybe. On a playoff run, but you're none of those, you know, I had this argument with someone on, on in a, a Philadelphia sports Facebook group the other day, it was wow. Yeah, it's like it's just a it's, it's a dark ridiculous days. argument. It is very dark days. I don't want to be back uh, there again. I'll just I'll just quote REM and just tell you that everybody hurts sometimes. Uh, yeah. I just I don't understand how you can draft a guy, you know, that early in the first round, you pay him a max contract and then do nothing to help him. Mm. Absolutely nothing. Oh, yeah, I mean the Packers did similar things, but their quarterbacks not washed, so it's it's working out alright. So we'll see. But they also had talent. They also had talent. They also, on, on they also have a, an all pro left tackle. So I mean, <laughs> and a great offensive line. All right, let's move on to a complete opposite. I mean, you want to look at the Eagles' offensive line and then look at the Washington defensive line, and that's a that's a fun matchup potentially in a in a, in a week or two. But uh, Washington will travel to San Fran or Arizona, actually, where this game will be played. Um, San Fran uh, apparently too COVID affected in 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 their uh, county, but it's more Corona affected in Arizona where they'll so. be playing. Um, but they're three point favorites at their quote unquote home ground here in Arizona. Um, Forty three and a half is the total. Um, so neutral field actually. I did forget forgot to factor that into my ratings. But uh, what have you got here in this game? I just think there are too many variables at play here, especially with with the Niners. Um, but even you know with Washington, Antonio Gibson is a huge out for, for Washington with his turf toe. Um, funnily enough, his injury secured me the number one seed in, in my division, my fantasy league last week. I was leading by three and a half points coming into that game, and my opponent had Antonio Gibson starting. And he, I think he only had two carries or three carries for 14 yards, and that was, I think, 1.4 Fantasy points, so I won by two points, and uh, that's the number one seed. Thank you very much. Injury. Um, but the Niners are, are grinding each week. They've, they've got heart. We know that. We know they've got guts, but they're not easy to bet for or against, and so I'm passing this one. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I just just updated it, and yeah, it doesn't really change things too much because home field advantage is kind of meaningless here. Um, I've gone from San Fran minus three and a half to San Fran minus two and a half. So, I mean, if it gets to three and a half, I might consider taking Washington at the plus. But um, as we said, this this game is kind of intrinsically linked to the Giants-Cardinals game. So it's going to be interesting to see the results of both these two and how it affects the playoff picture. But 
Look, Washington have gotten better since Alex Smith took over. He's clearly their best quarterback at the moment. Uh, I still have concerns about their offense. I think it's very limited, but I just think they faced the Steelers at the right time last week. But their defense has been huge, mega. They've been massive. Over the last month, they're fourth in DVOA defense. But I think Shanahan and the 49ers will be a little bit smarter here on offense and, and help mitigate sort of that match up there with against that defensive line. So... It's quite hard to pick a side here. I think the line's pretty spot on here around that three points. So um, it is interesting. Antonio Gibson is a massive, massive loss because he was, even before he went down, I think and he had like two carries, but he looked he looked still explosive from the, mm. the prior week where he went na- massive. Um, and yeah, Alex Smith's bloody leg on, on that game mm. last week. He's bl- I know it was probably just a cut, but I was just like, this guy's just <laughs> got blood just filling up in his sock and he's just running back out there. I mean... The they NFL's don't get paid enough. Game. Yeah, they don't. They don't get paid enough. It's. I know. It's. I know. There's far more tougher things happen in AFL and NRL, but it just seems crazy. I mean, just it. It's pretty. Uh, I know it wasn't like a leg break or anything like that, but just when you see that, I feel like I could just never fathom doing that on my doing that as as a human being. Yeah, I feel like I'd probably I'd, I'd probably completely drain of blood if something like that happened to me. Like, yeah. I don't know how they how they go on, but I could um, be telling everyone about it for like for months. But if that happened to me, but, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't actually see what happened, but I, I read somewhere that it was a it was someone's cleats that got him in the shin. And if yeah. that's the case, then you can't be yeah. that far off a broken leg, which we all know yeah, Alex almost, Smith can yeah, yeah exactly not, uh, cannot Ooh. deal with. Tough son of a bitch, man! Comeback mm. player of the year. Well done. Um, all right, Sam. Sunday night football, Pittsburgh, Buffalo. Buffalo at home here, two and a half point favorites. The total is 46. Uh, I like this game. I'm keen for this one. Looking forward to it. Slow The slow rise of Buffalo's defense over the last six weeks kind of been the, the sleeping giant for me in the AFC. I think the, dif- the difference in their defense between the first six weeks of the season and the last six weeks of the season has been, it's been massive. It's sort of night and day, the difference between the two and Look, they're still only league average, but that's just how bad they were in the first half of the year. So mm. they're still 16th in weighted DVOA, but that's all they really need to be. It's just be league average if Josh Allen plays like he did last week um, against the 49ers. Like, if he plays like that every week, then that's all they really need to be. And look, the Steelers, look, they were 11-0 and and now 11-1, and and they've benefited from a pretty easy schedule. And apart from a win against the, the high-octane Titans offense, they haven't really faced an array of great quarterbacks. I know they played the Ravens twice, but one was sort of RG3 game and, and things like that. So they've had some they've had some easy games and easy quarterbacks to face. So this is this will be a test of them, especially without Bud Dupree. And then you've got to factor in that they're playing the third game in 11 days after they got dicked around by the schedule makers with COVID-19. So I'm really worried about their offense as well. The lack of the run game, the deep throw accuracy makes their offense quite predictable. And, and especially on the drops on offense, it's been a killer from from all their players, but especially Eric Ebron. Shock horror, Nick. Eric Ebron, he, he can't catch. Uh, it's it's seems crazy to me. But, I mean, all those things add up. I know drops can positively re- regress at the same time, but, I mean, I think after this week, the Bills will probably leapfrog the Steelers as my number two team in, in the AFC. It's very, very close in the ratings, and that's why I like Buffalo here, minus two and a half at home. Interesting. Yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing this matchup, you know, between Buffalo's high powered offense that ranked number seventh in offensive DVOA against the number one DVOA defense in the NFL in, in Pittsburgh. The Bills were really efficient and effective on offense 
last week against the Niners, like they were clinical. The way that they they moved the chains and then Josh Allen in the red zone was just unstoppable. But I think that this Steelers defense is still something else. I know we've spoken about the the easy schedule, but you can only beat who's in front of you. This week they've got equal rest, um, the same as the, as the Bills have. They get James Conner back uh, to to run the to run the ball on offense, and I think the Steelers have have an opportunity to really get themselves back in the groove defensively after a tough spot. I mean, due to circumstances completely outside of their control that you already mentioned, you know, against. With with other teams, this is a really tough spot to take on Washington and their defense. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how they bounce back this week. But I'm not betting it off just off the last couple of weeks. Like you said, three three games in eleven days is tough for anyone to handle. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right, let's move on to the Monday night football game: Baltimore minus one on the road at Cleveland. Total is forty six and a half. What have you got here? The Ravens are back. Well, I mean, it kind of looked like it with Lamar back running on top of the ground. They, they ran all over the Cowboys. And granted, it, it was only the Dallas Cowboys. But this was good science that we haven't seen for a, a decent chunk of this season from Baltimore. It's going to be a really good test for Cleveland here because if Baltimore get their run game back into gear, then that's going to be really hard to stop, not just for Cleveland, but for the rest of the league as well. And despite the fact that they're 9-3, and three, Cleveland's defense is still well below average. They sit in the lower third of the league for both pass and run defense. That could be a real issue if Lamar Jackson is indeed back to his best. And if the Ravens do win this one, then their schedule consists of the Jags, the Giants, and the Bengals to finish. You know, they win out. Conceivably, they overtake Cleveland for second in the AFC North because the Browns have to host the Steelers in the final week of the regular season. Um, so some really interesting um, scenarios to come out of this game and, and this division still. Uh but I really like what Baltimore are doing with J.K. Dobbins. They've increased his role in the offense. Um, the last couple of weeks, he's topped 70 yards and touchdown, um, averaging five yards per carry over the last two weeks. Um, and I really like Baltimore here. I'm taking that Baltimore minus one. I think, yeah, I, you're right. I mean, this, the schedule is is quite nice for, for Baltimore, and I think I think they're going to run the table here. I think they're going to... They're going to beat the Browns. So I'm with you on the minus one. I think that's our lock of the week here. Uh, and we'll get back on the winning ways and, and take Baltimore minus one. Um, but I think, yeah, they win this week. They've got their sort of their lull COVID-19 sort of winning ugly phase out of the way over the last sort of eight weeks. And and I wasn't overly impressed with their, their win last week. I mean, you know, Greg Beleg did leave nine points on the field for, for the Cowboys, but I think this is the perfect buy low, buy low spot for them if you're looking at futures and playoffs and, and stuff, etc. I think this is the time to buy low on the Ravens because the Ravens, mm. they match up really, really well. Yeah, they match up really well against the Browns. Um, and we saw that when they played them earlier this year. Um, they'll stack the box with their fourth-rated DVOA run defense anchored by Brandon Williams and, and they'll force Mayfield to beat them through the air. And we talked about it atop the show. Can he do it again? Can he do it against better you know, past defenses and secondaries. And I think there might be some injuries for the Ravens, but even if they are missing a couple of players, they're still a much better secondary than the Tennessee Titans. And look, Baltimore is still far the, the better rated team in DVOA. They're eighth versus 23rd mm. in DVOA. That number does reduce a little bit to, to weight in the weighted DVA, DVOA with 11th versus 18th, but we're looking at basically a pick em line here. Um, so I still much prefer Baltimore here. And I think Miles Garrett is, is you know, defensive player of the year candidate he's racking up sacks but I think it kind of hides overall what a pretty horrendous mm. defense the Browns have and I think 
Orlando Brown, who's kind of the last <laughs> remaining starting lineman for the Ravens. Um, I think he'll probably match up against Garrett and, and hopefully do his best to, to sort of limit his impact to a couple of plays. And, and I think I think the Ravens get back on track here. And, and as, mm. I, as I said, I think they run the table with that schedule. So I'm with you. Baltimore minus one. Cleveland, um, and, Cleveland's yeah. just that team. Like I, I feel like we've said it every week that we just don't learn anything new about the Browns week after week after week. And the fact that they're nine mm. and three sitting at 23rd overall DVOA is just amazing. It is crazy. But, you know, at the same time, last week was their best best win of the season. So this is a... this is a Absolutely. But they nearly, they nearly gave up that lead as well. So... Yeah, exactly. And that's part, that's kind of why you're getting, you're getting value on Baltimore minus one mm. because this is, this is the Cleveland now at their highest rated across all the bookies and, and the public. So... Um, and I think you, uh, stats inside. I'm just looking now. They they like they like the Ravens as well. So yeah, six percent edge on Baltimore money line. So beauty. So yeah, definitely. I always like them. I always. Three. I do like it when uh, when Stats Insider has a, an edge on a favorite like that. Um, yeah. Always piques my interest. But uh, yep, I already liked Baltimore there. But yeah, it just gives yep. me extra. Extra interest. Comfort, yeah. Uh, Baltimore minus one, obviously the lock of the week. I'll rattle through my long shots and best bets, and then Nick will wrap us up with his. Um, I'm on Cincinnati plus three and a half, Las Vegas plus three, and Buffalo minus two and a half. I think I'd have Baltimore in there, but I thought I'd mix it up so we're not all chips in Baltimore this week. (laughs) Um, And my three long shots this week, I've got sort of a quarter of the unit on the New York Jets money line at $6.50 against Seattle, uh, another quarter on Chris Godwin, 125-plus receiving yards at $4. I think that's going to be the the change from the, the Tampa Bay offense um, with the play calling. It'll be more short and underneath through the middle stuff, so it'll be Chris Godwin and Antonio Brown, I think, benefiting mostly from that. And half a unit, Aaron Jones, 100-plus rushing yards at $3.20 against the Detroit Lions, who let David Montgomery look like an all-pro last week. So that's where I'm at with my best bets and long shots. What have you got? Uh, I've got the Rams minus five, the Packers minus seven and a half, and Baltimore minus one. Um, and a couple of long shots, Aaron Rodgers, 400-plus passing yards at five bucks. Uh, Miami Dolphins, the double. The Dolphins plus seven and a half and under 49 and a half, $3.50. And interesting one, the Titans to win by 11 to 15 points, $6.50. All right, so some bigger long shots from you this week. I like it. A couple of $6.50 long shots from Bus. Both. I'm not in love with the card this week. I found I preferred the last couple of weeks. So, um, but sometimes when you don't love it, it ends up working out all right for you. So, we'll see how we go this week. Nick, that's week uh, 14th. Can you believe we're already close to the to the final week of <laughs> it feels, the final weeks of the season? It feels like only a couple of weeks ago that we were kind of rushing to get our season preview because we didn't think yeah. that we'd have a season let alone get yeah. to this, this point. So. Yeah, to, to be at the week on schedule with not too much fuss, really, it's um, quite a phenomenal thing given how crappy the NFL has handled some certain situations. <laughs> but at the same time, we've got all teams on equal footing now heading into the last sort of month with all buyers out of the way. So It's, it's kind we'll of amazing that their, yeah. <laughs> their concept of just ignore it and power through has kind of yeah, just exactly. worked. It's, but... Yeah, just head in the sand effect. So. <laughs> I mean, when they pull their head out of the sand, the rest of their body will be sunburnt, but uh, we'll see. But it's kind of working, so we'll see how we go down the final stretch. But as always, you can follow us on Twitter at Pod. You can follow Nick on Twitter at Nick Splitter. 
You can follow me on Twitter as well at JYNFL. And, and we'll be back next week to uh, talk all things week 14 and preview week 15. Until then, have a great week.